0: Let's go for about 30 minutes here and see what we can come up with. Uh, we left off in the book of Hebrews here. Let me back up just a little bit here. Uh, remember he was, it's so funny because in the in Hebrews uh, three and four, it, we'll see the word Moses there. He's talking about going in the promised land. Well, we have to know that story happened, you know, and it did. Praise the Lord. But anyway, so and of course they didn't get in because of their unbelief. See so notice they didn't mix faith with it. So chapter four. Remember the verses that you probably heard a lot? The word of God's quick, powerful, sharpened a two edged sword. Look at verse 4. He says, God rested on the seventh day after of creation. Well, we don't believe he created everything. Yeah, we do too. He did. Look at that. There's David. Look at all the history we get here. All right. Anyway, so uh, we picked up the last thing we saw was Jesus is our great high priest. Let me switch this to the King James. It's almost like a, a memory verse we've heard before. And then we'll go back to the Living Bible. Uh, seeing then we have a great high priest. This is so important because you got to priest wouldn't mean anything to you unless maybe you knew something about Catholics. You probably heard the word priest, but sometimes Baptists, we don't know anything about priest unless we've read the details. Then we would know and we would know Jesus is our high priest. But it's so important to know because the next few places will, the next five and six and seven, it's going to be talking about priest, priest, priest. Well, if we know what happened in the Old Testament uh, about the tabernacle, boy, this means a lot. So anyway, the King James says, "Seeing then we have a great high priest." Notice it didn't say we had; we have. We actually have a high priest. It's almost like, I know sometimes today we'll say, "Well, I, I know, I know, uh, I've got a, I have my own reverend, I have my own preacher." Well, yeah, I'm I, I'm your pastor, but I'm not doing all you praying for you. Please don't think I am. I mean, you're in my prayers, but don't count on me. You know, you can you because of this, we've learned you have your own high priest. Look at this, seeing that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let's hold fast our profession, okay? For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That means weaknesses and troubles, no matter what it is. But was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. In other words, see, we weren't perfect, but he was. Okay. Therefore, look at this. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. I've used this so many times. You know, it's really good. That we may obtain mercy, find grace. And I love this, to help in time of need. It's not talking about going to heaven. It's down here right now. Okay. So let's switch that last verse back to the living Bible. Look at that. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there and receive his mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. We're still breathing here. We're going right into the next chapter. Here we go. The Jewish high priest is merely a man. Chapter 5, verse 1. Like anyone else, but he is chosen to speak for all other men in their dealings with God. See, now God did this. This was so perfect. This whole structure, that Old Testament, the story that we had was to lead everybody to Jesus. So anyway, he presented their gifts. That's what he did, the Levites, the Aaron. You had Moses and Aaron and Mir- Miriam. They were all kinfolk. Remember, they were sister and brother. Moses was, like I say, the Lord called him to get my people out. Okay, and God told Moses how to build a tabernacle. It was not Moses. People say, Moses, said, no, the Lord said. But anyway, and the Lord said, tell Moses, well, the Lord told Moses. He says, get Aaron, and he will be the high priest, and all his descendants from here on out Will be descendants of Aaron, because there was there was there, Aaron's tribe. In other words, his kin, his great 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 granddaddy or grand granddaddy was Levi. Okay, so the Levites were the ones that work in this tabernacle, but only those, even though they're Adairs. Would you say the Richard Adair group here? Those who are in Richard, a., we got a bunch of cousins and stuff that are Adairs. But the Richard Adair ones are going to be the ones for the priest. Okay? And that's where Aaron came in. And that's why this is fiction to tell us right here. He's a man like anyone else, but he's chosen. And that's why Aaron was chosen. And the reason he was chosen is because guess what? Jesus is going to be chosen here later on. That's where we're going with this. He's chosen to speak for all other men in their dealings with God. Look, look at this. This is so good. He presents their gifts to God and offers, there it is, the blood of animals that are sanctified to cover the sins of the people. And Look at that one. And of his own, too. Now, I love the Bible Belt. It's so beneficial to us down here. But, boy, we, we, we think that these preachers are supposed to be perfect. That's so stupid. That's just dumb. All oh, the preacher's going to be perfect. And well, we won't get into the Catholics, what they think, you know. All their no marriage stuff and all this kind of stuff. And the priest is, no, they're not. They're, they're going to sin. They're going to blow it. Anyway, because he, look at this, because he's a man, he can deal gently with other men, though they are foolish and ignorant. For he too is surrounded with the same temptations and understands their problems very well. Boy, this really pulls us close to Jesus. Is Jesus your friend? Absolutely. Here goes, another thing to remember, verse 4, is that no one can be a high priest just because he wants to be. That was the purpose of Aaron. He's called by God for this work in the same way God chose Aaron, okay? This is why Christ did not elect himself the honor of being high priest. No, he was chosen by God. God said to him, my son, today I have honored you. And another time, look at this. Oh, my God, this is going to be in Genesis. We have to believe Genesis or this is no count. You have been chosen to be a priest forever with the same rank as Melchizedek. Now, where did this phrase come from here? It, it's, a, it's in the book of Psalms. Your study Bible would have a little marker there. And it would tell you what David wrote that psalm. This was like 2,000 years after the book of Genesis. Okay. See, remember, Abraham talked to this guy, which is what he's fixing to say. Yet while Christ was here on earth, he pleaded with God, praying. Remember this? This was in the garden. Not my will, but thine. Praying with tears and agony of soul to the only one who, who would save him from premature death. And God heard his prayers because of his strong desire to obey him at all times. Even though Jesus was God's son, he had to learn from experience what it was like to obey when obeying meant suffering. It was was after he had proved himself perfect in this experience that Jesus became, look at this, the giver of eternal salvation to those who obey him. Oh, for remember that God chose him to be a high priest with the same rank as Melchizedek. Why do they say same rank? Well, we're fixing to see in a minute. Melchizedek was never born. He was almost like Adam. He just showed up. He was like an angel. He was just, where did he come from? See the likeness of why Jesus, Jesus was always there. He's the Lord. Here we go. There's so much more I'd like to say along these lines. Now he's going to kind of poke at everybody here. And he needed to. He can poke at us too. He said, I'd like to say more along these lines, but it seems you're not listening. And it's so hard to make you understand. Uh, You've been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you've dropped back from the place. Someone needs to teach you all over again the first principles in God's Word. Like babies who only drink milk, not old enough for solid food, when a person is still living on milk, it shows he isn't very far in the Christian life. He doesn't know much about the difference between right and wrong. So Now, what he's trying to do, he's trying to tell the reader. Remember, you're supposed to read this all at once. It was a letter, and it was written to, it's called Hebrews. It was written to Jews. Uh, in, a, in a certain location, but we all get the benefit from it. And they were getting a little, it, he knew these people and they were getting a little slow. Well, I don't have time for this. And he's kind of making a point here. Notice what he says here. You, he's still a baby Christian. You'll never be able to have solid food and understand the deeper things of God's word until you do a better, God, better until you become better Christians and learn right from wrong practicing. So so they were slipping a little bit here. But hey, girl, but it, notice this. Let, he that's the same breath. You don't start over. This is just to help us get places fast. So you guys need to grow up is what he's saying. Let's stop going over the same ground again and again, always teaching those first lessons about Christ. Now, what's interesting, wonder what they are. Well, look at them, and you can kind of tell whether or not, how how mature are you, or do you still have a bunch of doubt about this. Watch this. Let's go on instead to things that become, that, and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Surely, look at this. Surely we don't need to speak anymore about the, Look at this. The foolishness of trying to be saved by being good. That is the number one thing we do in the Bible Belt. Well, I don't smoke. <laughs> it's like Phil was talking about Jim. Well, Jim, what do you think? What is this thing about heaven and stuff? What matters? Jim had the right answer. It's Jesus. That's true. It's Jesus. Calm down. Go to bed at night. It's Jesus. Thief on the cross. He's dying. Remember that? Lord, remember me. He didn't have time to prove he's going to be a good guy. Jesus said, Today, well, this way. Jesus told that guy, He says, Today you will be with me in paradise. (gasps) That's not fair. (laughs) That's not fair. Remember the story of that Jesus told a story about paying the laborers? He had some eight o'clock in the morning until five o'clock and they started. He hired them, the, 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 the employer did. And then toward the end of that lunchtime, he hired some more at noon. And then right an hour before closing, he hired some more. Then he lined them all up to pay them. Starting with those that just got hired on. And anyway, they got, uh, no, starting with those at the beginning. So they got all $20, I think the Living Bible said, they got 20 bucks a day. And all the way down to the guys that only worked one hour. And the guy that worked one hour, he got $20. Well, the ones that worked all day, they said, hey, we bore the heat of the day. And we only got $20. And the, the Lord said, I didn't do you wrong. You agreed to work for that. You know, can I not do what I want to with my money? You know? And that's what the Lord's done. Can he not be a blessing to you know, praise the Lord? So that's what's going on here. So here we go. We don't need to be speaking. Look at the foolishness of trying to be saved by being good. I don't care who we are. You always get hooked up in that if you don't watch it. Your church will start building walls and saying, unless you be like this, you're not. A lot of them go so far as to say you're not saved. All right, look at the next one. Or the necessity of faith in God. Ah, Faith don't matter. If it's God's will, it'll take place. You don't need to believe. Oh, yes, you do. Why'd they march around Jericho seven times? That's stupid. Just knock the walls down. No. Obey the Lord. Anyway. You don't need, here's the third one, you don't need further instruction about baptism and spiritual gifts and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. I mean, those things are real. You know, it's appointed unto man once to die and buddy, after that, the judgment. But we don't have to worry about judgment because we, Jesus is taking, we have a high priest. Anyway, the Lord willing, we'll go on to other things. There's no use, now look at this, there's no use in trying to bring you back to the Lord again If you've understood, once understood the good news, tasted for yourself the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit and know how the word of God is felt and felt the mighty powers of the world to come and then have sassed your mama. That's not what he said. Then I had a beer. No, it's not what he said. Then I got a divorce. No, it's turning completely away from God. See, black and white, look at this. Uh, and then you have turned against God. You cannot bring yourself to repent again if you have nailed the Son of God on the cross again by rejecting him. Now, we as people in the Bible Belt, unfortunately, have left an impression on some people that they don't even need to be worried. They should be fine. They're worried now because they have a drink or go out to the honky-tonk or whatever. They think they're going to hell because they think they've done this. No, they're not. They're not. If they believe in Jesus Christ, they're just as good as you and I are. Anyway, because, man, I've made mistakes, but I have not nailed Jesus to the cross again by, look at that, rejecting him. You have to understand, we are going to sin. We just read the priest sins. He can't help it. He's going to blow it. Thank God our Jesus, our high priest, did never sin. That's what makes him that's what makes the whole system work. Anyway, when a farmer's land has become, has had many showers upon it, good crops come up and the land's experienced God's blessing on it. But if he keeps on having thistles and thorns, the land is considered no good and ready for condemnation, burning off. Now he got off his little high horse here about, cause notice what he says, hey, dear friends, I'm not, even though I'm talking like this, I really don't believe it's got anything to do with you. That, that what I'm saying applies to you. I'm confident that you are producing the fruit that comes along with your salvation. He says, God's not unfair, for how could he forget your hard work or forget the way you used to show love for him and still do by helping his children? See, what was happening here, they were getting some severe persecution, like Laura was talking about. Well, you keep talking about Jesus at work, just trying to get her in trouble. And she wasn't, you know. Persecution, that kind of stuff. And we are anxious that you keep right on loving one another as long as life lasts so that you'll get your full reward. Then... Knowing what lies ahead, you won't be bored with being a Christian nor become spiritually dull and indifferent. But you'll be anxious to follow the example of those who receive all that God has promised them because their strong faith, faith and patience. All right, here we go. He's still talking about um, stuff. For instance, there was God's promise to Abraham. God took an oath in his own name. Now notice right off the bat. This links you to a book that ah, never happened. It did happen. It had to. Okay, so concerning Abraham, God took an oath in his own name since there was no one greater to swear by. That he would bless Abraham again and again and give him a son and make him the father of a great nation. Then Abraham waited patiently until God gave him a son, Isaac, just as he promised. Now, he's going to talk about what an oath is. Think about that. God took an oath. God said, I will swear. When a man takes an oath, he's calling upon someone greater than himself to force him to do what he promised. Or to punish him later if he refuses to do it. The oath ends all argument. See, we have an oath. Golly, that's what he's going to lead to. Look at this. God also bound himself with an oath so that that those he promised to help would be perfectly sure. This is so cool. I can have confidence because God has done the same thing. He swore with an oath to help Richard. Okay, wow. That he would, uh, he promised to help, uh, that those he promised to help would be perfectly sure and never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. He has given us both the promise and the oath. In other words, God said, I'll do this. And then he also said, I swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, you know. Uh, For it's impossible to God to lie. Now all those who flee to him to save him can take new courage, I mean, because it's ours. When uh, when, When they hear such assurances from God, now they can know without a doubt that he will give them the salvation he's promised them. Now, remember chapters one through four are we belong to Jesus, we're in his house, we're doing well. This certain hope of being saved is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself. Look at the phrase, behind the sacred curtain of heaven, remember the holies of holies, that Moses built down here the Lord said build it this way it was a copy of what was in heaven Okay, behind the sacred curtain of heaven where Christ has gone ahead to plead for us from his position as our high priest with the honor and rank of Melchizedek now he's not done with Melchizedek remember this is all one breath this Melchizedek see if you started this next year you, pff, good grief this Melchizedek he's in the book of Genesis chapter let's see he's chapter 14 Oh, this Melchizedek was king of Salem uh, and also that Salem really is Jerusalem. You can catch that by the last five words there. This Melchizedek was king of the city, Salem, and also a priest of the Most High God. When Abraham returned home after winning a great battle against many kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took, here comes that tithe stuff. Praise the Lord for it. Look at that. Abraham took a tenth of all he had won in the battle. He gave it to Melchizedek. Melchizedek's name means justice. So he's the king of justice. He's also the king of peace because of the name of his city, Salem, Uh, which means peace. Melchizedek, look at that. He had no father or mother. Oh, Richard, I can't believe the donkey talks. Man, we we got a guy here. Oh, you wouldn't believe in the resurrection then. I tell you this stuff is this stuff is not hard. It's just our background of unbelief and we believe we're just you know, evolution and there's no evidence. Evolution is a religion. You have to believe in what they call naturalism. It did natural processes. Okay, go show me a natural process. Putting fruit flies in a microwave is not a natural process. <laughs> You know, and just because their eyes bulging out doesn't mean, well, see there, that thing changed. Well, your eye bulges out too. That's not a, it's not evolution. There's no evidence of it. But in the classroom, boy, they'll show that stupid chart and say, here we are, and, it, and there's no truth to any of it. No truth to any of it. Anyway, see how then this great, how great this Melchizedek is? See, now we jump in, we don't say, well, I hope you believe this. No, the Bible assumes we we know this happened. So this guy in in, uh, Genesis 5, 14, that's when this world war took place. What happened was uh, Lot was living over there in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah before it got destroyed. Abraham was across the state line over here. They had a whole lot of cattle. They were very rich. Both of them was. Remember Lot. Remember Lot's wife. Okay. This is before it happened. Okay. Uh, When they separated, it was huge. All of a sudden, this war broke out. Ten kings against... No, five kings against five kings. And what happened was, some of these five kings, when they raided the land where Lot was, they grabbed Lot and his family, and they hauled off. Well, somebody ran and told Abraham, hey, Abraham. Your nephew just got captured. I'm just paraphrasing the 14th chapter of Genesis. Your nephew got captured. Boy, uh, Abraham didn't go, well, I don't know, I don't know. Man, he picked up his 300 men that were born in his house that could fight. And they hightailed it to go after those five kings. And they got them. Can you believe that? 300 men. Well, yeah, because you believe the story of what? Uh, Starts with a J. No, Gideon. Gideon. Gideon had 300 men. He had more than that. And God said, you're going to get big headed. You're going to say you did it. So I want you to cut your numbers down. Get those guys down there and drink out of the Jordan. Those that cup their hands and the nose that just lick like a dog. He said, take the ones that cup with their hand. There's only 300 of them. (laughs) The rest of them were gone. They started out with 20 something thousand. And God said, ask the ones who are scared to leave. (laughs) About 10,000 of them left. Anyway, so, hey, whoa, this happened here. So anyways, here we go. So Abraham went and got uh, Lot back, and it just says it, it was no battle. It didn't say, "Oh God, it was a real workout." Uh, no, he got him, and he brings all these goods back to, and he meets Melchizedek, and he also meets uh, the king. I mean, he meets. Um, it wasn't Gomorrah. It was Sodom, the king of Sodom was standing there. He just wanted the people. I don't want any money. I just want the people. And Abraham says, "Look." I swore to God that I wouldn't take a penny from no man, you know. He says, You can have the money too. Okay. Okay, that's what he, that's what he says. But Melchizedek's standing there. So here's what happened. So Melchizedek had neither father or mother, and there's no record of his ancestors. He was never born, he never died, but his life is like the Son of God, a priest forever. Then how uh, see then how great this Melchizedek is. Even Abraham, the first and most honored of all God's people, gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils. Boy, they're laying it out. It was he gave him ten percent. All I can do is encourage you to realize that you know what? If you every dollar you give, get ten cents back to the Lord. Watch what happens. It's an opportunity to use your faith. You know, give it to the homeless. Do something with it. You don't have to give it here. I'm not going to let you prove it works here. You can if you want to. But I'm just saying, if you have a problem with that, don't give it to me because it's not a preacher thing. It's a priest thing. You give it to Jesus and watch what happens. What is it? Malachi chapter 3, he says, if you'll do, he says, test me. If you do this, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. You can't receive it all. And those of us that know, you know I believe we all do. No No kidding. I'd rather bounce checks before I didn't give my money to the Lord. I mean, my goodness. I'm going to I'm going to give my stuff to the Lord. Anyway, here we go. So, see how great this guy was that even uh, God's uh, Abraham first and most honored of even Abraham, the first and most honored of all God's people gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils he took from the kings he had been fighting. One could understand why Abraham would do this if Melchizedek had been a Jewish priest for God, for later on God's people were required by the law to give gifts to help their priests because the priests were their relatives. In other words, in the Old Testament, we have records saying, hey, give 10%. Okay, yeah, good. Right. But Melchizedek was not a relative and yet Abraham paid him. Well, look at this, goes on and on. Here we go, some more stuff about Melchizedek This is where we miss it sometimes. We we just think we owe, we owe, we owe, we owe, we owe. We never think that God will do anything for us. Man, I'd I'd give my tithe just to keep from being sick. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm telling you, it's so good. It's like paying your health insurance thing, but your health insurance don't make you well. It just gives you the power to not have to pay when you go to the doctor. This is so great. Melchizedek placed a blessing on mighty Abraham. And as everyone knows, a person who has the power to bless is always greater than the person he blesses. The Jewish priests, though mortal, that means they're only going to live to be 60, 70, 80 years, they receive tithes, but we're told that Melchizedek lives on. One might even say that Levi, remember that? He's one of the 12 tribes, 12 sons of Jacob, you know, the ancestor of all the priests. Who of all who received tithes paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham, so he could say, "Well, great, 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 great grandpa," you know, he paid. That's what they're saying here. For although Levi was not born, the seed from which he came was in Abraham when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. That's why it's so funny. If you don't read the Bible, you can get away with not with not feeling like you need to tithe. Ah, oh, there's nothing in tithing. <laughs> this was long before. Anyway. Okay, if the Jewish priest and their laws have been able to save us, look at that. Why then did God need to send Christ as a priest with the rank of Melchizedek instead of sending someone with the rank of Aaron, the same rank of all the other priests? In other words, really, why why did we need another Jesus, another priest? Here's why. And when God sends a new kind of priest, his law must be changed to permit it. As we all know, Christ did not belong to the priest tribe. Remember, he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was from Judah. Well, here it is, but came from the tribe of Judah, which had not been chosen for priesthood. Moses had never gave that work to them, okay? So we can plainly see that God's method changed for Christ, the new high priest who came with the rank of Melchizedek, did not become a priest by meeting the old requirement belonging to the tribe of Levi, but on the basis of power flowing from a life, (gasps) now we get it, the resurrection. A life that cannot end. Remember, Jesus the whole time said, Well, this time tomorrow, they're going to kill me. But don't worry about it. Three days later, all right. He never acted like he was going to be gone at all. He just said, They're going to kill me. And why did they kill Jesus? He was a lamb. Wow. Now he's a priest. Anyway. Yes, the old system of priesthood based on family lines was canceled. Look at that. Because it didn't work. But yet, in the book of Acts, Paul was thrown in prison over and over again because... He was telling them that you don't have to keep the Old Testament law. All you need is like Jim told Phil, just need Jesus. The old system based on family lines was canceled because it didn't work. It was weak and useless for saving people. It never really made anyone right with God. Notice it didn't say it never really made anybody live for God. No. See, we're stained with death. And now... We're stained with righteousness, which means right. I like the way it says, we're made right with God. But we now have a far better hope for Christ makes us acceptable to God. And now we, can, now we may draw near to him. God took an oath that Christ would always be a priest. Although he never said that of other priests, only to Christ, he said, the Lord has swon- sworn and will never change his mind. You are a priest forever, that same phrase, with the rank of Melchizedek. Because God's oath, Christ can guarantee forever the success of this new and better arrangement. That means healing, that means that means financial stuff. It means it's it's everything. Under the old arrangement, there had to be many priests, so that when the older ones died off, the system could still be carried on by those who took their place. Well, that made sense. Granddaddy so-and-so, a high priest, he eventually died. And then the son took it and then the grandson. But Jesus lives forever and continues to be a priest so that no one else is needed. Look at this phrase. He's able to save completely all who come to God through him since he will live forever. He will always be there. Look what he does. To remind God that he has paid uh, for their sins with his blood. Praise God. He's, therefore, exactly the kind of high priest we need. He's holy and blameless, unstained by sin, undefiled by sinners, and to him has been given the place of honor in heaven. He never needs, look at this, he don't have to have a sacrifice for himself. He never needs the daily blood of animal sacrifices, as others did, first to cover over, excuse me, to cover over their own sins, Oh, wait a minute. I thought that cotton-picking priest was sinless. (laughs) No, he's not. That's the problem. He makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. We ought to pick up on that. And then the sins of the people. For he finished all sacrifices once for all. Well, look what he did. When he sacrificed himself. And when you go back and read the story, he did sacrifice himself. He was before Pilate. And Pilate said, you know, I can set you free. And Jesus says, nah, not really. Your power has been given from you down here. It's not from above. If it was given from above, you know, you'd have something. Anyway, under the old system, even the high priests were weak. Look at that. And sinful men. Look at that. Who could not keep from doing wrong. But see, thankfully, we've already, we, that's what makes, that's supposed to, you know, we're supposed to have comfort in that, knowing that that's what they showed. They were trying to show that. Even the priests were just like you. It's not like, well, I can't believe we're going to kick you out of here. Your shoes are not shiny. Well, I'm, mine are shiny. Yours are not. So get out of here. Everybody can walk through mud one time or another. Anyway, under the old system, even the high priests were weak and sinful men who could not keep from doing wrong. But later appointed by his oath, the son who is perfect forever. Boom. So here we go. We, we got to stop. Let's do this one. What we're saying is say, how could you get this if you broke it up over weeks and weeks? What we're saying is Christ, whose priesthood we've just described, is our high priest. He's not sitting up there doing nothing. He's in heaven at the, at, at the place of highest honor next to God himself. He ministers in the temple in heaven, the true place of worship. Look at that. Built by the Lord and not by human hands. Now, since every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices... Christ must offer, make an offering too. The sacrifice he offers is far better than those offered by the earthly priest. But even so, if he were here on earth, he wouldn't even be permitted to be a priest because down here, they still follow the Jewish, uh, old, old Jewish system of sacrifices. Notice he says their work is connected with an earthly model of the real tabernacle in heaven. That's the reason. Well, let me just keep reading. It tells you that. For when Moses was getting ready to build a tabernacle, this is in the latter part of of Exodus, God warned him to follow the exact pattern of the, look at the phrase, heavenly tabernacle as God showed him on Mount Sinai. But Christ... As a minister in heaven has been rewarded with a far more important work than those who serve under the old laws because the new agreement that he passed on to us from God contains... Look at that phrase. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's plural. Far more wonderful promises. Oh, well, wait a minute. I remember the one that God promised in the Old Testament was if you kept having... Uh, uh, whatever they call it. Women, you, you couldn't, have, couldn't have kids or whatever, you know. Uh, miscarriages. That wasn't going to happen anymore. You weren't going to happen with miscarriages. Also, sickness was all taken away. Now you can understand why God got so mad at them. Even, we, remember we studied two weeks ago, Naaman, a Syrian. His little slave girl from Israel knew that he could get healed. But Israel wanted to go worship the stupid sun god and throw their babies to the fire. Just for good crops. And they remember he already said you'll be blessed when you go in, blessed when you go out. And woo, here it is again. It contains far more wonderful promises. The old agreement, look at that, it didn't even work. <laughs> if it had, there would have been no need for another to replace it. But God himself found fault with the old one. For he said, the day will come I'll make a new agreement with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. Uh, This new agreement will not be like the old one I gave to their fathers on the day I took them by the hand and did something that never happened. Oh, yeah, he did, too. He took them out of Egypt for the reason he said it. They did not keep that part of the agreement, so I had to cancel it. But this is the new agreement I will make with the people of Israel, says the Lord. I'll write my laws in their minds so that they'll know what I want them to do without even telling them. And these laws will be in their hearts, and they'll want to obey them. And I'll be their God, and they'll be my people." And then look at this phrase. We'll stop here. And no one will need to speak to his friend or neighbor or brother and saying, Hey, you too should know the Lord. Because everyone, great and small, look at this. This is where we are today. Will know me already. Look at this, and I'll be merciful to them in their wrongdoings. Wait a minute, hold on, time out. I'm I got saved on this date, whatever, and that means from this day. Backward, My sins are gone. If I blow it over here, I'm, I'm toast. No, you're not. First off, I don't want to make mistakes, but we probably will. So here's what he says. I'll be merciful to them in their wrongdoings, and I'll remember their sins no more. God speaks of these new promises of this new agreement as taken the place of the old one, for the old one is out of date and has been set aside forever. Now, I'm not going to do it, but you know me. Well, look at this. He's going to describe now. He's trying to tell you that first agreement. Look what he says. He's describing it inside it. There were two rooms, the Holy of Holies and the special bread and all this kind of stuff. These next two chapters, boy, they go long. They're, I think this is how I many? Yeah, there's 27 verses in that one. The guys just can't figure out how to stop it. And, uh, and that one goes all the way to uh, about 39. Those two next chapters are talking about you being in the Holy of Holies as compared to what the system was set up to do? I mean, only, uh, only you could come in with your lamb into the front room there, and you actually had to kill your lamb. You put your hands on it. It's, that's reason the personal relationship with Jesus is what it's about. Oh, we could. I was actually going to tie this together, but let me just do this real quick. We won't, well, I'm, We're going to stop. But watch this. This is, this is, this, this is right after. I mean, the, the timeline is, 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 is laid out beautiful. God, the, the Sinai Mountain, they just now built the tabernacle. Notice what he says. Now, Moses spoke, now, now the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle and commanded him to give the following instructions to the people. When you sacrifice to the Lord, use animals from your herds and flocks. Okay, if your sacrifice is an ox or a burnt offering, use only a bull with no defects. Bring the animal to the interest. I want you to see what you do. It's not your priest. It's what you do. The priest is standing right there. This is a personal relationship with you and the Lord. uh, Where the priest will accept your, that's personal, gift to the Lord. That was your cow you brought. Your lamb. (laughs) Look at this. Look at this. The person brings it in to lay his hand on his head. And then it becomes, this is so great. Look at this. And this is a type and shadow of Jesus for us. You bring in that poor little perfect lamb. He didn't do nothing wrong. And you lay your hands on its head. Look at that. And then it becomes his substitute. Where's the part in here that God hates you so much? God wants to just kill you instead. That's not in there. The death of the animal will be accepted by God instead of the death of the man who brings it. Praise God. And as the penalty of his sins, if you didn't catch that. Praise God. God doesn't want you killed. And he did not want your life to be over with when you draw your last breath. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. God loves you. The Bible says not even a sparrow. And we could walk between here and the road down there. And I guarantee you you'll find sparrow parts. There'll be a leg here. There'll be feathers here. You go, some bird bit the dust down there. Guess what? Your heavenly father knew it. Just like he named all those stars. Anyway, there's sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice listed here. And you do it. You bring it before that high priest. And you know what? He didn't go, well, I'm not going to take it. No, it's all about sin or whatever. Or it's a thankful thing. And he takes it before the Lord for you. Praise God. What's Jesus doing up there? He's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Wow. Wow. Well, anyway, Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that, Lord, you're our help. If we're not feeling good today, you'll take care of that. We have a great high priest. He's not asleep. He's helping us. Praise the Lord. In our problems, our weaknesses, whatever they are. Lord, if it's financial, you'll take care of that. You're up there working for us now. And Father, we just thank you, too. Lord, if it's not finances, it's not health, it's just some other problem. Boy, you'll fix that. We just thank you for it. And that doesn't leave anything left for us to tell others about Jesus and what he's done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, good.